Hello and uh, welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Lake Show. This is Dr. Paula Lake. Happy to be here again today. And um, today I'm going to be talking about cognitive biases, giving little snippets a day. So I think of this as medicine a day, just something to think about. I think it's important for us to start thinking in different ways and start reflecting in different ways. And that is definitely part of a growth mindset. And today what I want to talk about is cognitive biases. And certainly for those of you that don't know, cognitive biases are ways of thinking, maybe shortcuts that we develop that may distort the actual reality. We're not objective creatures um, and that stands for everybody. That we all have a certain inclination to be biased in the information and what we see and when we argue and Part of it is influenced by perhaps some personal gain and part of it might be influenced by our own value system and could be influenced from the experiences that we've had. So cognitive bias is not an unusual thing and there are many cognitive biases. In fact, if you want to take a look at what kind kind of cognitive biases exist out there, there's a great website I ran into called thedecisionlab.com and they can give you Uh, an an idea of what all the biases are that we have so you know it's it's an interesting thing because it gives us an idea of um, perhaps where we may make some decisions or interpret information or it may um, impact um, how we are dealing with issues around even COVID um, our mental health how we perceive the world how we perceive ourselves um, so the influence of cognitive bias, it's, it's, it's a huge thing. And, and even though I don't think that we can actually eliminate it, I do think that in being aware of cognitive bias, it, it can help us reduce it. <clears throat> but I'm not going to talk about all cognitive biases. This isn't, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm working on keeping this in bite sizes. But what I do want to talk about in particular is the cognitive bias um, which is called confirmation bias and I think it's relevant especially now in in politics in the world with all the debate around um, you know our health and and how we take care of our health and what we we should be doing about it everyone is personally invested in what's going on in the world right now for their own personal reasons some of it based on their own value system but I think it's also contributing to some of the conflicts that we're seeing. But cognitive bias, as a psychologist, I also recognize how it affects uh, our own mental health and our own well-being. And um, it's an important one for me because um, whether we're dealing with depression or anxiety or mistrust of the world, uh, for that matter, um you know, there's going to be biases that are going to play into what we look at and what we um, pay attention to in the world. Um, When we're depressed, we also start paying attention to things that are more depressive, including our own thoughts and what we see out there. It affects how we interpret um, things happening around us. Let me give you first a definition of cognitive bias, 
a confirmation bias, I should say. Confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, focus on, remember, and remember information in a way that confirms what you already believe. I'm going to say that again because I, even though I know intuitively the word makes sense, confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, focus on, and remember information in a way that confirms one's uh, preconceptions. So, you know, to give you an example, <clears throat> I know as uh, I'm with with uh, a colleague, friend of mine, we've been exchanging articles, and um, you know, we kind of have different leanings in the way we might discuss certain things or think about certain things, especially around politics and whatnot, and. And so there's been an exchange of research articles. And I think that's really valuable because for me, um, one of the ways to reduce cognitive bias is actually to read something opposite that's opposite to what you're thinking because we tend to gear towards only the information that actually affirms what we already know. And so when I um, would receive these articles, um, I could feel a little bit discomfort to sometimes in reading something that wasn't completely along the lines of the way I was already thinking. However, this little voice in me said, it's important to read this, and um, there might be something for me to learn. Um, there might be a perspective. you know. So one of the ways that I think of it is I would rather be committed to the truth than it is to just confirm what I already think. And the truth may be somewhere in between. It may not be... Uh, that I'm completely off. It might not be. It, I, but the commitment to the truth uh, rather than the commitment to being right. And and I think that applies in so many areas. Put aside all the issues that are happening today. It applies um, to how we engage in discussions with people that we love. Um, you know, I remember once I had uh, a client, and you may have heard this before, and I asked him, would you... He was had some issues around anger, and I said to him, would you rather be right, would you rather be right, or would you rather be happy? And I have to say, I, I acknowledge him for having said, I'd rather be right. <laughs> it's like maybe um, that felt better for him than, than finding harmony. You know, and so that's a bit of a value system. You know, I, I tend to try towards harmony, but... Um, you know, I think it's important if we believe in something that we need to stand for it as well. Um, I think what really matters is um, being aware of what cognitive bias and what its effects are, because there are certainly situations where cognitive bias has benign effects. It doesn't have any negative consequence for us. But I also believe that it there's areas where it's important for us to start really considering the role that it plays in our lives. And, you know, I guess you may have heard the phrase or not, um, don't believe everything you think. And, you know, I'm someone that deals with um, all types of trauma, uh, people that have unresolved issues with people from the past. And, it, you know, I always want to give value to the meaning that we make and the experiences that we have in our lives but we're also set up to confirm what we already believe. And if that is the case, then how much is what we're experiencing built on a foundation of 
truth and how much of it is built on just an idiosyncratic way that we may have made sense or made meaning of a certain experience. And I think that's why it's important for us to um, to pay attention and to think about where our thinking may be geared. So, you know, I'm going to give you one little example of a confirmation bias. And this example is more, let's say, on a mental health front, self-esteem front. Um, you know, you walk into a room, and this is going to influence certainly how you interpret things. You walk into a crowded room, and if you already have pre-existing depressive thoughts and self-esteem issues and insecurities about yourself and the way you look and whether you're likable and suddenly you walk into this room and everyone turns around and looks at you and immediately what comes to mind my god they're looking at me i not don't fit in maybe it's the way i look something's odd about me i'm embarrassed i'm going to go to the side and corner and, and hide okay so that would be a form of a confirmation bias. Um, I'm looking at the information, and it might be actually neutral. They might not be giving me a, a, a nasty look or anything, but you know, I will project onto this group that they're actually judging me, and that um, because that's the framework and the bias and the thinking that I already have. Alternatively, it can be the opposite. You can actually feel amazingly great about yourself, think you're the most amazing person in the world and that you're beautiful and um, that when you walk into that same room and everyone turns around, you congratulate yourself and you say, hey, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty amazing. Look at that. Walk into a room, everyone pays attention to me. That would be one example of a confirmation bias. And one thing I do see is an example if someone is going through depression or if you genuinely don't feel good about yourself and um, it, that it can be really hard to accept compliments. It can be really uncomfortable. And in fact, what we do when we have a confirmation bias is we tend to devalue and dismiss information that does not fit with a pre-existing concept. So we get a compliment. Someone says, hey, you did really awesome on that project. And immediately the thought might be, mm, they're just being polite. If we have trust issues, of course, we're going to have a confirmation bias. Um, we automatically will assume that people are lying, part of confirmation bias. So we won't take any information in, whether it's true or not. Because our pre-existing belief is that the honesty is not forthcoming. I, I think one example, you know, of a of a form, and they call it, there's a actual a, a term, it's called an availability heuristic. Availability heuristic, let me tell you about that. It's placing more value on information that comes to your mind quickly. Um, you give greater credence to this information, and you tend to overestimate the probability and likelihood of similar things happening in the future. So, I like to think of that, even though it's an availability heuristic, it is a form of a confirmation bias. For example, if I've been hurt many times in relationships and for a variety of reasons, maybe maybe my I'm drawn to certain types of people because of my history, there might be lots of reasons from a growth mindset why that might be the case. But nonetheless, I've had these experiences it may start to shape what I see around me. 
um, may start to shape how I'm looking at people and their trustworthiness. In fact, I'm if I was to conclude um, and make assumptions, I'd probably start gearing it towards the templates that already exist in my mind is that people are untrustworthy. And, and therefore, I will um, likely be more inclined to notice in the world people that are untrustworthy. We have a, a pre-existing template that exists on our mind, and that template will be compared to what we're seeing. It's kind of a way of thinking of it as a priming. And so I guess the way I really like to think about it is it's good to think about what our biases are and to reflect on them and not to always assume that the thoughts that exist in our head are truth or perhaps that we become so used to them that they feel like they're real. And in recognizing the biases, you have some freedom to choose and you know there are some challenges to that when we're when we're changing opinions because changing our belief system is not as easy as we think. I remember a quote I heard many years ago, which was, um, "It takes uh, an instant to change the law, but it takes much longer to change a belief system." Because even though we may have inherently changed that law, the belief system may linger and be tied to beliefs that existed before because it is very uncomfortable to change a belief system. And sometimes if it's tied to values or upbringing, it becomes that much more challenging. So the main point I want to bring up here is that it's important to understand about what kind of biases we might have because perhaps it can allow us to crack that foundation of rigid thinking. And rigid thinking I actually find to be often tied to more mental health issues. When there's, when we don't have cognitive flexibility, when we're so attached to our belief system that the world has to be um, in, in agreement with what we already believe. So these are important things. You know, I, you know, a, a, another example which I've used in previous shows is when you're going out to buy a car. And this isn't much about um, confirmation bias as it is a, about an availability heuristic. Um, but certainly it will um, influence a confirmation bias. Once I see a car that I, I really like, I'm more likely to recognize that car outside of me because I've already been primed to see it. And, you know, that would be the same as when you're looking online and you're going to be more primed to see information that's already been planted in your mind and more likely to ignore information that has not been put in your mind. So that should open up a world of possibilities for us to start thinking about, is there anything else that I may not be seeing? I'm going to give you just a couple of studies that I thought were really uh, kind of interesting. There was an initial study that um, I had looked into, and this was um, uh, called the Rosenhan experiment. Uh, this was from years ago. I remember being exposed to this, but I was particularly interested in this one. Um, that experiment is essentially looking into uh, uh, diagnosis bias, confirmation bias, and in the Rosenhan experiment, they had um, a group of uh, people, including students, go into a psychiatric uh, ward and 
um, claim that they were having delusions or hallucinations and and as a consequence they were diagnosed with schizophrenia. And what I found really interesting is while they were in the hospital, of course, these are healthy, normal people. They resumed healthy, normal behavior as soon as they were admitted into the hospital. And um, and most of the behavior was interpreted from the psychiatrist standpoint as a confirmation of the diagnosis they originally did, even though the people that actually were admitted were actually healthy and behaving healthy at that moment. They also ended up having a very difficult time um, identifying which ones were um, uh, inaccurate diagnoses once they were notified uh, of that possibility. So, you know, we interpret things in accordance with how we already see them. Um, this one is based on a attentional study, which it it, it feeds confirmation bias in this in. You may have heard of the gorilla study. The gorilla study is you have people playing. Um, you, you're being asked while watching a video. There's two groups of people. They're throwing a ball to each other. You're asked to count how many times that ball is passed from one person to the next. And very often people are so focused in on counting and, and focusing on that uh, this, uh, as an attentional focus that... Um, a gorilla walks uh, through, parades through the crowd of people passing balls. Uh, not a real gorilla, a person in, in a gorilla uh, costume, and and walks right through. And um, a large proportion of people that are so focused on counting actually do not recognize or see that a gorilla came in the middle of the um, of the team that was passing the ball. You know, I wouldn't say that that's uh, directly a confirmation bias. I would, but I would say that that feeds our tendency to confirm what we already know and distort reality to some extent. Because what we pay attention to tends to be what we're already focused on, and so as we're paying attention to something um, that has already been planted in our mind, um, we are more likely to ignore something that actually existed. One, one of the conversations I came up with as I was reading, even with respect to the algorithms that we have online right now um, that choose to, that are set up so that information we've already uh, looked for pops up for us with more facility, um, is that it also contributes to that confirmation bias. Because if we're always constantly being exposed to perspectives that are just in agreement with what we're already focusing on, then certainly it's going to feed a confirmation bias. So reality is is something I think we try and to the best of our ability to estimate. And, and the question I would ask you to think about is, am I committed more to the truth or am I committed to what I already believe in? Am I willing to um, change and think rethink about some of the things that may or may not be true? And because one of the things I find amazing is how resistant we'll be even to positive feedback because of our pre-existing ideas about ourselves and we get uncomfortable. And the term that they use with that, with that discomfort when we're exposed to information that doesn't fit with our pre-existing belief system is cognitive dissonance. We can actually feel physically uncomfortable with that. And as humans, we try to avoid that. 
And so whether you're depressed or whether you're um, even traumatized or you um, have had certain fears and anxieties in your life, um, there may be already a predisposition to, to confirm what you're already struggling with. Um, you know, that is what we do. Um, you know, what's interesting when we talk about availability heuristic is that our perception of reality is often, um, often, um, what's that one thing of the word, our perception of reality is reflected by, um, the thing, people that we often associate with by the experiences that we've already had. And even though it might be in a very small bubble in our own personal bubble, bubble of our lives, certain groups, certain um, environments that we often come to see reality is experienced and perceived very much in accordance with the people that we've already associated with. So if you've had family members that were abusive and treated you poorly and then you had a couple encounters with other people who are abusive and treated you poorly that you're now already primed to see people who are abusive and treat poorly and more likely to start to perceive that to be reality. So these are some of the problems with cognitive bias. And, you know, when we have an emotional feeling of, and, you know, here's a, uh, an example I might actually ask you to think about. Think about when you're in a good mood and think about when you're in a bad mood, when you're having a really bad day. And, in that day, you're more likely to be um, aware of certain things that uh, keep you in a negative state, right? Sometimes it's driven from an emotional experience that already is there within us, and you're more likely to um, uh, perceive everything in a negative way. And yet, the next day might be nothing externally different about that day. You just happen to wake up in a better mood and suddenly you start to smell the flowers and see the sun shining. It was shining yesterday. <laughs> but for whatever reason today, I see the sunshine. So what we see is influenced directly by how we feel. And this is why, as part of the work that I do, I think having being open-minded is and f- having some cognitive flexibility is important to be willing to question and rethink your thinking, to perhaps learn more about cognitive mindsets and um, biases so that you can start to watch that and be more mindful of that. I actually, one of the things I will ask people who are already set up to believe and think in certain ways, especially ones that are hurtful to them, because sometimes that's what we do, um, is to start to look for opposite opposite examples, phenomenon outside of us that contradicts what we already believe. So if you already think that the world is a terrible place, um, start looking for examples of great stories. You know, I was watching the Gabby Petito, uh, the father uh, talking about Gabby Petito, and after such a horrendous event um, as what happened, the story of Gabby Petito, who had been killed by her partner and subsequently her partner also died. Um, what was amazing about the father as he was talking about that experience is that um, he said 
that there are way more good people out there than there are bad. And he said that in a heartfelt fashion, even after experiencing and being exposed to such a trauma. And that mindset that he has, or that viewpoint that um, people are good, likely pre-existed before this event happened, but it was it was still something he was able to hold on to. But sometimes after we've gone through repeated experiences, it gets more challenging to hold on to certain mindsets. And we have to be more deliberate about working past cognitive biases because we are more prone to see what we already are thinking about and believe in. And we are more prone to witness and recognize the templates that are already existing in our head. So it might take extra work for you to actually start paying attention to something different. So it might mean um, looking for opposite views. It might mean for a moment priming yourself with some more positive mindsets that will allow you to, to seek out more positive things. You know, if you feel already unworthy and unlikable, then, you know, you're going to probably look for signs and be more deliberate about seeing signs of people that are going to be disapproving of you. So it that's why there's value for you to start redefining and rethinking what your original beliefs are, because in doing so, you may actually open yourself up to seeing other things. I actually think that might be tied to uh, conversations about the law of attraction, that once we start changing the way we're thinking, we start seeing different things. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that there to be truth in that. So I'd like to leave you on that note. Um, there's many more other, if you want to do more research on that, I think it's important to to do that research. Uh, as I mentioned, there's the website, thedecisionlab.com, where they've done, um, and there are many studies out there um, that have looked at cognitive bias in terms of um, even on a political stance or how people feel about confirm, uh, capital punishment, let's say. Um, you know, in fact, one study, they uh, looked at um, two, they split up two groups. They had one group that believed in capital punishment, another group that did not believe in capital punishment. They presented them with two fictitious papers, not known to be fictitious, however, um, on a pro, pro capital punishment and against capital punishment, providing their reasoning for that. And each group tended to put more value to the research that already confirmed their beliefs. <laughs> so, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking to be open and to start to question, am I committed to the truth or am I committed to what I already believe? That would be a question I'd like to leave you with for the day. Take some time and reflect on what you do already believe and think about. And if you're finding that it's something that's not serving you or it's contributing to a repeated pattern of, of negative experiences, it might be valuable to start to think about what your own pre-existing thoughts are and how they're filtering. So I wish you all the best and I'm going to leave you with that today. And hopefully... That'll give you something to think about. 
to question what you're thinking and not take it all for granted as being truth and gospel. Move through cognitive dissonance, which is that little bit of discomfort when you're starting to recontemplate ways that you're thinking and move towards a belief system that is going to be more serving for you in your lifetime. So wishing you all the best. Take good care. Until next time.